Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Addiction Audio Podcast. My name is Ben Sher, and I'm delighted to be here today with Emeritus Professor from the Department of Psychology at the University of Montreal, um, Professor Louise Nadeau. Um, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, and I'm uh, I'm very pleased to be here. Great. Um, so Louise Nadeau is going to be speaking to us today about her recently published paper called Addiction, a Rediscovered Treatise from 1561. Um, so just to start, Louise, what is um, what is this treatise and how is it rediscovered? It's a, it's a crazy story, Ben. Uh, to be blunt about it, uh, my colleague of 40 years, uh, the psychiatrist Marc Vallard, uh, comes to, uh, goes to this meeting at the, uh, the National Library of Paris. And there, there are two historians that speak about this crazy person who's named Pascasius. And Pascasius wrote, of course, in Latin, as it was done in the 16th century. And uh, his book is about a medical model of gambling. And it's clear that this person suggests that it's not uh, a religious conversion that will change this person, but uh, identifying the erroneous cognitions that uh, the, the gamblers have. So Mark had to come to Montreal. He comes to Montreal and he says to me, We've discovered a, this new model. And of course, he and I were operating on what all the addiction researchers operate on, that the creation of the medical model was due to Benjamin Rush in 1785. And then, of course, the work of Griffith Edwards on Thomas Trotter. And uh, we were convinced that the medical model started at the beginning of the 19th century. And suddenly you have this person from 1561. So the work is in Latin and known, of course, we can't read it because we're not historians and we're not at all experts in the Latin of the 16th century. So um, I was able to get some funds and we had this book translated in French by uh, this uh, historian from La Sorbonne who was an expert in Latin of that period. And what comes out is this incredible manuscript where Pascasius first starts by stating what is still true today, i.e. that most people that gamble are not problematic. And for most people, it's just enjoyment. And in fact, our epidemiological data from Western countries says exactly that. But there is a group of people that are really problematic and that have been plaguing uh, populations since uh, the fifth century before Christ, because uh, he will then refer to the work uh, from um, uh, from Galen and before that from Aristotle and uh, from uh, Hippocrates. So he goes on to speak about what are these folks that develop a dependence. He doesn't call it addiction because it's not the vocabulary of the time. He speaks of passion. He speaks of uh, how people cannot make rational choices. And he speaks about Genetic vulnerabilities, referring to the first works on temperament that were developed by uh, Hippocrates. 
And then uh, he speaks about the fact that it becomes a second nature, referring to Galen. And uh, and then, so he, he speaks about what um, contemporary science speaks about genetic vulnerability and a propension to risk-taking. And then, of course, he, he speaks about co-occurring disorders, stating that probably these people drink too much or have passionate love stories that are uncontrollable. Um, they have this view that they can literally have an impact on chance. So time is now to speak about who were the friends of our friend Pascasius. There was this crazy person who was called Giranimo Cardamo, who was a professor in Bologna. And he was a great, great physician. In fact, the, uh, the king of uh, Scotland invited him and he literally cured him. So he had this outstanding reputation, but he also was a gambler. And he also wrote this book about chance. And what Cardamo accomplishes a hundred years before Pascal and Fermat was to demonstrate the laws of probability and that chance was a, a probability, not the interference of God, not uh, the, the fact that one was questioning God's authority by gambling, but essentially, uh, a, a view that was clearly uh, mathematical and um, it, it took some time because he didn't finish his work but a hundred years later and today in the insurance we were always working with probabilities and we're always working with uh, those issues. So here was this person in 1561 who was thinking of erroneous cognitions, who thought of genetic vulnerability, all that at the end of the Renaissance. So what was the climate at that point? And where was he? He was in Northern Italy, not too far from Bologna, and in fact in Bologna. And at that point, um, the, the Northern part of Italy before uh, really the the Inquisition that started prob probably at that time was probably the time when, A, some physicians started putting into question the tradition of, 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 of medicine and thinking we need to rethink our paradigms in medicine. At the same time, uh, there was uh, this thinking of chance that was probably not the role of God, but simply a mathematical issue. And so even though there's no sources, it becomes clear that Pascasius knew Cardamo and that Cardamo uh, was also a, a scientist who really flourished in this environment because he really had colleagues that uh, knew of him. Cardamo is arrested eight years later after the publication of the book by the Inquisition. It's the role of the Pope that takes him out of prison. He ends his life not as a professor in Bologna, but in Rome with 
and he's forbidden to write books, probably because his book on gambling is viewed as a heresy. And uh, voila. And at the same time, uh, we lose track of of uh, Pascasius. Amazing. And how did Pascasius um, speak about treatments for, for for gambling addiction? Is this something that was included in this treatise? Yeah, that it's absolutely fasc fascinating. Book one speaks about the etiology of genetics and and erroneous cognitions and whatnot, and and he really speaks about passion as uh, Aristotle speaks about. The book two is about treatment, and he really starts, and I think that's why we lose track of him, because he just runs away from the northern part of Italy and goes back to Protestant countries. But all this to say that at that point, he speaks about treatment. He says, no, it's not by medication. It's by uh, speaking and by trying to work through the erroneous cognitions of people. And it's not through uh, the action of God that people become addicts, but on the contrary, it's because there is chance and, and people think that they can uh, alter chance by their own will. So that's cognitive therapy. And um, it starts in 77 and it goes on. And of course, the masterworks of Robert Ladoussard, who comes from University Laval, which is three hours drive from here. Really, uh, Bob was an expert in, 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 in anxiety and his work on gambling is really seminal work. And then it has become uh, the uh, standard treatment for gamblers because at the same time in parallel throughout the world, people started working on what are the erroneous conditions of most people that are struggling with mental disorders. So uh, to think that somebody 400 years ago really stated that um, this is what gambling is about, we thought that it was worth a translation and it was worth thinking of uh, reframing our view about the history of addiction. The other thing is that um, the work of Benjamin Rush and of Thomas Trotter is of course concerned with alcohol and our preoccupations in the last 200 years has always been with addictions related to substances. And of course, all the physiologists have been through what alcohol does to the body and what it does to the brain and patatsi and patata. And I, I, I'm not saying patatsi and patata in a contemptuous way, but I'm, I'm just trying to state that we could not conceive of addiction without the role the key role of a substance, be that opioids, cannabis, or stimulants, or alcohol. And suddenly comes the um, behavioral addictions. And right now, with uh, the telephones that are everywhere, the intelligent telephones, if you take the metro and uh, you look at treatment centers where, where um, the first cases are, um, are intelligent telephones and dependent to internet. And the fact that now treatment centers uh, are, well, we have data, we have data from France that has always been at the upfront of epidemiological data. And um, 
and it, it, it has literally doubled. So to have somebody, and of course the DSM-5 uh, integrated uh, gambling as part of in the chapter of addictions. So right now we are considering behavioral addictions. And here you have this guy 400 years ago who speaks about behavioral addictions as a real addiction. And that is really an innovation. And we're very, very grateful, Marc Valor and I, to addictions to have accepted to, um, to publish this paper. Because when we did the translation of Pascasius, it was done in French. Uh, it was done at the press of the University of Montreal. And uh, we did, and it's on the web, but it, it needed to be known in the international community that uh, this person existed and uh, why not? So just speaking of needing to be known, going back to Pascasius, do we know how this piece of work was received at the time? Do we know how he disseminated the treaties? Do we know how it was received within the medical profession back then? Pascasius was not an academic. He was this regular physician. And one uh, in, in the third edition of his book, he was also defined as a gambler. He may be somewhat a BW uh, that wrote, that started a, a something like somebody who understood very well about gambling from the inside and at the same time was a physician and at the same time had connections of folks who were concerned with addictions. So here we go. Pascasius was literally, we have no idea because there's no sources and historians work on sources. So he publishes this book that's defined also as a self-help um, treaty to help gamblers. So he writes this book. It's published in Protestant editions three times. So it has three publications. However, we lose track completely of Pascasius. Now, why is that? Because there's no sources. So here we are in pure hypothesis, which of course historians think are always treacherous. So um, he went back to Protestant countries and re-became a physician. Uh, my position it, it's personal. I think that uh, the uh, the Inquisition was omnipresent, and he took the rational decision of just getting out of of the north of Italy, which which Cardano did not do, and uh, paid a heavy price for it. And uh, voila. And when the authors of the 18th century write about him, because they all read Latin, they they don't accept his view because they're still in the moral model and they're still in the religious model. And gambling is seen as a as something that should be stigmatized because it's, and it's me speaking, because it's self-inflicted. And uh, voila. And um, I know there's 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 tons of parts of, of, of these treaties that jump out and that are really fascinating and give us insights. But for you, having having read the translations and having written about it, are there is there a passage in the treaties which jumps out to you particularly as being um, insightful or advanced for 
the way we conceptualized addiction at the time when comparing yeah. how we think of addiction today? Is there a specific the, There are three statements, Ben. The first is the introductory statement stating that this is a pleasure for most people, and that remains. Second, he really speaks about genetic vulnerability and erroneous cognitions, which is very, very true. And then he literally speaks about treatment. And this whole book never, never mentions God. It, you can be very religious and still uh, see that gambling is not um, an interrogation or putting into question the role of God. It has nothing to do with that. So those three statements are really um, absolutely revolutionary and remain still very contemporary. Okay, amazing. Um, and the final, the final question um, for today is, what is next for, for this research? Is there um, any future plans to write about these treaties or to maybe do any more translations? Um, yeah, what, what is next? Okay, in the in the last part of his book, um, uh, Pasquezius states that uh, it doesn't take away the fact that stealing money from poor folks and making money out of not working is is unacceptable. And he also speaks about the delirious consequences or the 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 problems linked to gambling. So that's one thing. And our whole system of justice is is based on the responsibility. So I think Mark and I will work on this conundrum that all clinicians find. A, we need a medical model because in order to be able to treat people, you need to have a space where there's no stigma. At the same time, when a clinician or um, a person of justice is, is confronted with the fact that there was an accident, a car accident where there were fatalities, where there was a murder, where there was a loss of significant money that impoverished loved ones, what do you do? Is that um, is is responsibility there? So we're caught in this in this knot where um, the balance has always shifted, and how do we solve it? And I think harm reduction attempted to solve the problem by stating, if we we accept that there's consumption, but we become aware that it may create problems and how do we make sure that that does not happen was a plus, but still clinicians around the world are struggling with this uh, contradiction that both you need a space where there's no stigma and at the same time, the responsibility remains. And, and and speaking of stigma, how do you think we can get to that place? What do you think needs to happen? Uh, uh, it's the same with all kind of mental disorders. Uh, the the uh, I'm in Canada right now, and uh, we we consider uh, the the mental health association, and and I agree with them that the main enemy of people struggling with a mental disorder is the stigma. So we both need we need to have 
a society that acknowledges that um, there there is emotional distress and there is self-medication with addiction and there is vulnerability. So right now, what we've done when we did the uh, the 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 low risk um, uh, gambling guidelines was to acknowledge there are circumstances where you should not gamble, i.e., when you have co-occurring disorders, when there's gambling in the family, uh, when you're when you're drinking alcohol. So that needs to be put forth, and then. Treatment accessibility is a key issue. Um, people working in in, uh, in in alcohol always spoke about the golden opportunity that exists in all uh, emergency rooms where somebody comes in, is injured because of drinking, and it's at that time that you need to intervene. And here, my students have intervened with people in distress in the casino so that it is then that you intervene, not three months later when all the uh, cognitive disorders have really, really been reinstored. So with that, and then one needs to remember the statement of our deceased colleague, Uli Jogenskug, who said, even if the um, the consumption patterns reduce, there will always be a fragment of people that develop addiction. And we need to develop good treatment for those folks and equip the general population with putting pressure on the loved ones to go and get treatment. And that treatment needs to accept that it can be long-term, and that uh, we need to respect the rhythm of people and that they all the motivational interviewing has stated that it's important that people make choices. So one of the key issues of any clinician is to make sure that the person has choices and if those choices are there, then the probability that the um that there's a reduction or maybe even a a, a a a remission of the addiction is increased. Fascinating. Well, Professor Nado, thank you so much for joining us. And um, for everyone listening to this, you can find um, Professor Nado's um, paper, Addiction, a Rediscovered Treaties from 1561 at the Addiction Journal. Thank you. I thank you so much.